Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I want you to think back to when you were a kid this morning. And kids with us shouldn't be tough for you. Older people, uh, just try as hard as you can, all right? Uh, But think back to what was so great about Christmas when you were a child. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like as an adult, I've lost a little bit of what made Christmas so unbelievably awesome when I was a kid. Uh, Today as an adult, the month of December consists of things that I didn't realize consisted of when I was a kid. It consists of spending like twice as much the amount of money in the month as I do the other 11 months. Uh, and I mean, I gotta be honest, that hurts, right? Yeah, it consists of trying to find a moment to go and find my wife some presents at a store. And let's just say gift giving is like number five out of my f- five love languages. And so stores in December, especially if I wait until December 23rd, uh, not my cup of tea exactly. Uh, some wise guy out there is probably gonna be like, well, just use Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know, but it's still, it's still an effort uh, that I gotta put into things that sometimes I don't feel like it. Adulthood has admittedly so, it's kind of taken away some of the everyday awesomeness of December. As a kid, it's almost as if every day of December was Christmas. Maybe not the real thing, but it's close enough to just be really awesome. My sisters and me, man, we could twist my mom and dad's arms into letting us open up one of our presents just about any random day in December. There were Christmas movies to watch, uh, Christmas cookies to bake, or, or just to eat them because mom or grandma had baked them. There was family to go see, and I, I had no decision-making to do what whatsoever with any of it. When I was a kid, the month of December, <clears throat> it was more of a blending of the already and the not yet of Christmas. It was like Christmas was already here when it wasn't really quite yet here. Every day kind of felt like this mini Christmas until the day actually came. And now as an adult, the already and the not yet of Christmas, they kind of seem more distinct. There's much more to concern myself with. Uh, that Christmas, Christmas almost just feels like it's just on that day sometimes. Um, but when I was a kid, it was like every day between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that was a day. So does anybody else kind of feel what I'm saying about Christmas? Uh, There's this hope that we feel as people, and I think it boils down to two kinds of hope. The hope of the already and the hope of the not yet. There's a hope that I'm experiencing in the moment, and there's a hope that I have for something that's about to come, that I'm about to experience. And those can, can vastly be different things, different feelings of hope. I think the key to being the kind of follower of Jesus who experiences lasting hope in both the already and in the not yet, it's found in being able to see life more like how the child experiences Christmas. The joy of everything that surrounds Christmas is so great for most children that the not yet of it actually becomes almost like the already. And maybe that's a bit confusing. Uh, Like, what the heck am I talking about? I want to take you to the story of another Christmas character today uh, to help you see kind of what I mean here about the already and the not yet. There is a a breakthrough of hope that I believe God wants to give to every one of us. And I believe part of that secret is found in the way that a child enjoys the everyday pleasures of the Christmas season. 
It's found similarly, I think, in the life of Simeon, in the Christmas story of, that we find in Luke chapter 2. It's bringing the hope of what is not yet and realizing what it means in our present already. So let me take you to this story of a guy named Simeon. We find it in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had met, had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. <clears throat> now this passage starts off with a bang that the NIV, frankly, I don't, I don't think it does a great job of translating. Uh, the very first word here that's translated in the NIV as now, it's actually the Greek word idu. Uh, in other translations, it's translated behold. And frankly, I think that a more adequate translation of the way that we talk today, it would actually be this. Get this! Instead of like, now. Okay, it's almost a difference in me saying, now the other day I went for a drive and I saw a cow jumping over the moon. That's kind of, that's kind of bland, right? The word now doesn't give you quite the feeling of excitement and wonder <laughs> that you should have if you saw a cow jumping over the moon. But what if I said, get this! The other day, I went for a drive and I saw a cow jumping over the moon. Okay, now that seems to kind of get you to my intended level of excitement, right? Behold is the same thing as exclaiming, get this! Uh, Luke actually used this Greek word idu ten times in Luke chapters 1 and 2. Uh, and that's a lot of times, that's a lot of excitement. When the angels announced things in the Christmas story, Luke conveyed it with the awe of it with this word idu. When the angel told Zechariah that he wasn't going to be able to speak for nine months because he didn't believe, he said, get this, you won't speak until the baby is born. When the angel told Mary that, that she was going to become pregnant, he's like, get this, you're going to conceive and bring forth a son and you're going to name him Jesus. When the angels appeared before the shepherds in the fields after Jesus was born, Luke described it like this, get this, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. You see, Luke describes these huge announcements in the Christmas story with this same excitement that he starts talking about this dude Simeon with. He's like, get this, there was a man in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. What is, what is such a big deal about Simeon that Luke uses this particular word idu for? Why does he use this word of excited admiration and wonder for a man who just kind of seems so random in the story. It's because there was something extraordinary about the hope of Simeon. Have you ever been around someone who's, who's always in good spirits? Doesn't matter what they're going through, what's going on in their lives, this person is going to be thinking on the positive and you're probably gonna be better off having been around the person. Uh, those people are hard to come by. They're so hard to come by that you can kind of understand why Luke would make a big deal about finding one of those types of people in the person of Simeon. Why are these people so hard to come by? It's because most of us are too heavily swayed by the emotions that we feel in the moment. Now, I'm one of those kinds of people, I gotta be honest. 
you should have seen me watching the Vikings game last week. Man, our kicker missed four kicks. Ah. <sighs> I expressed my hatred for all kickers multiple times during the game. The refs made an awful pass interference call at the end of the first half. I wished bad things upon the lives of those refs during the halftime period. I'm not going to lie. Okay? But then there are people who are, who are better at not being so easily swayed by the momentary emotions of the day. And I'm going I'm to tell you one of those people that comes to mind for me. It's a lady named Bernice Bray. Bernice is one of my favorite people in our church. Now, sorry if that offends you that I have favorites, but Bernice is one of them. All right? She turned 91 years old a few weeks back. And let me tell you, she has more life left in her than probably any of us do. She's awesome. But there's also, there's also this about her. This year, besides having to deal with 2020, being virtually quarantined from the rest of the world most of the time because of COVID, she's also battling severe back pain. And every chance that I've had to, to call her and chat with her, she's the one brightening my day. She's like this little ball of joy that cannot be deterred for anything. And that's the kind of person of hope that Luke was announcing in this passage when he announced Simeon. He was a man whose hope and joy couldn't be deterred for any reason. And here's the secret. His hope was birthed in the hope of the not yet rather than in the already. His hope was grounded on something in the future that made hope for today possible no matter what he encountered. Now, who was this man Simeon exactly? It's very unlikely that he was some religious giant, like a priest or something else in the professional ranks. Uh, this is just another regular dude. Uh, he's a regular dude who's called out by Luke and announced with the same kind of wonder as Luke announced the angels in the Christmas story with. What made Simeon so fascinating is that he was part of this small believing remnant of people who were daily looking for the Messiah, like actively looking. He was expecting to see the Messiah. He had placed his hope in the coming of the promised one. And we're told that the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he wasn't going to die before he actually, his eyes saw the Messiah. And to Simeon's credit, he had the faith to believe it. He had the faith to believe that that was true. And with the hope for the future, at the forefront of his daily belief system, Simeon felt led by the Holy Spirit. We read about this in verse 27. He, he was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple courts one day. He'd been looking for the Messiah, probably, presumably for a long time. He hadn't found him. But I love how the Holy Spirit leads him and he goes expectantly. How expectantly do you continue looking for things that you've hoped for for a long time? It gets discouraging, doesn't it? Uh, you, have, you have this hope that God is going to get your teenage kid or your 20-something-year-old kid to this place of wisdom and steadiness. But every day you look for it and you find more insanity. Uh, it's, it's hard to hold out hope that God's going to bring that turnaround. Uh, just like it had to be hard for, for Simeon to once again go into the temple courts looking expectantly for the Messiah. Honestly, I doubt this was the first time that he, he went in there looking for the Messiah. But he still held out hope for something in the future. And that hope kept him going in the present. Now, this might be the most awesome lesson that you're going to find in the story of Simeon. This right here, I think, is, is the reason that Luke uses this word, idu, when announcing his story. Okay, he's saying to us, get this, hope for tomorrow translates into hope for today. 
Hope for tomorrow always translates into hope for today. This is the unraveling of the mystery about the not yet and the already. Hope for what is not yet here will translate into finding hope for what actually is already here. See, I'm going to explain it a little bit like this. There was a mental exercise that my dad taught me to employ when, we, when he'd go out on a long run. My dad ran like seven marathons, uh, kind of in, in his 30s. Um, and so there was about a decade of his life where he, my dad was running a ton of miles. But even well-trained distance runners, they have bad days. And it's the kind, it can be the kind where you, you just want to give up completely. And so he told me that on those really bad days where he just wanted to stop, he didn't want to go any further, he'd essentially break down the run into these tiny little doable increments, just small little increments. And he'd find a tree ahead and he'd say to himself, all right, I'm just going to get to that tree. I can do that. And then he'd get there and he'd pick out a road sign ahead. All right, let's get to the road sign. And eventually without realizing it, you've run your miles for the day. And what was my dad doing here? He was breaking down the run into increments that made hope possible. I love that. Like thinking about finishing another seven miles when you feel like garbage, it's so incredibly defeating. I can't even express to you how defeating that can be. So you can't even think about it. You can't think seven miles ahead. All you can do is think one mile ahead or, or think about the next half mile or maybe on the really bad days, you think about the next block or even the next mailbox that you want to get to. And you know why? It's because you can always make it one small section further. You always can have hope that, that going a little further is possible. A little bit of hope for something that feels like it's a sure thing, it can give birth to other hopes that seem altogether impossible. You see, hope in everyday living is similar to, I think, to hope that we have during a long run. But it, takes, it almost takes a reverse way of looking at things. To build my hope during a long run, I don't look to the finish of the run. It seems almost impossible. I look to, to something close that is way more doable and my hope starts to build. And in life, it's, it's actually a little bit different. Our hope for, for the future, our long-term hope, our eternal outlook, that's actually a hope that's more easy to hold on to because it's the hope that we know that we've been promised. Uh, Paul says this in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, Paul didn't will himself through the daily sufferings by saying, I can make it just a little bit farther and then I can keep going. He actually said, I know where God is ultimately taking me, therefore I can keep going. It's actually a significant difference there. You and I have been given a hope that is assured in what Jesus has done for us. Our eternity is a sure thing. But here's where it kind of gets difficult. It's like knowing that you're going to get to the end of the seven mile run just fine, but in the middle of that run, it feels like you for sure are going to die if you have to even go one more step. And that's what life feels like sometimes. Hope for the thing that I'm battling through today is actually hard to hold on to because quite honestly, I'm not promised that it's going to go well. I'm not promised that I'm going to have patience for my kids today without blowing up and making, making an idiot of myself. I'm not promised that my best friend isn't going to hurt me in such a, a deep and painful way that it feels like my heart got ripped out of me. I don't have a promise that I'll be able to even afford a roof over my head or food on the table. So what do I need to do? I have to play the long game when it comes to my hope. I have to look to my final hope 
where my hope ultimately rests at the end of all things and then gradually bring it back to where I sit today. That hope for tomorrow is what births in me a hope for today in the middle of all the ugliness. See, I used to worry about everything when I was a kid. You don't know how many times that I'd like to go back and slap myself up the head and tell myself not to worry about every little test, every assignment, every test score, that it was going to determine all of my self-worth. I, I wish that I could have seen things with the future in vision. All those little worries were nothing in light of the hope that I had in Jesus for my future. And such little things, all these things that I worried about, but I let them drive me into being anxious, really to being an anxious wreck. And it's weird, I was anxious over all these little everyday things while totally content that my future was secure in Jesus. Now, isn't that crazy? I couldn't, I couldn't walk things backward and let that future hope speak into my everyday stresses. I was, I was so weird in the head that I couldn't turn the bathroom light off at night with, until I gave myself a perfect smile in the mirror. Because I thought I was going to have nightmares or something if I, if I wasn't smiling the last thing that I saw in, my, in the mirror. I worried about anything and everything until it, it honestly would make me sick to my stomach. And then at some point a light clicked in my head. And it, You ever get to that point where you realize that life is hard enough on its own and that it's just kind of ridiculous to go on making it even harder by letting everything get to you and, and, and let everything get blown out of proportion and stress you out. Here's the thing. Christians should be the most even-keeled people because we know that in the end, everything is working out in our favor. Paul even says, says as much, really, in Romans 8, 28. He says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, granted, Paul isn't saying that life is going to be stress-free, but in the middle of the stress, there's always hope because we always have the promise of Jesus. If we're living in constant state of stress, if you're living personally in a constant state of stress, I want you to think about this today. Maybe you haven't really grasped fully in your heart and mind the hope that you ultimately have been given. Can I just say this? Living in a perpetual state of being stressed out, it sucks. I've tried it. It's really hard. And frankly, I don't think it's God's plan for any of us. Now, ease and comfort might not also be God's plan for us, but perpetual stress, I know it's not God's plan for us. There is too much talk of hope in the Bible to think that, that this hope shouldn't affect us in our everyday living. So here is your mission this week, all right? Your mission is to bring your future hope into your present trials. That's what Simeon did when he saw Jesus. Everything should get seen through the prism of what Jesus has done for you and the destiny that he has in store for you. Simeon brought the future hope of Jesus into his present day living. He realized that this young boy, Jesus, was to be salvation for all the world. And he was so overcome by that hope that Jesus was bringing not only into the world, but also into his own personal life, that he was able to say without hesitation, in verse, starting in verse 29, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, did you catch it at the beginning? Uh, Simeon just said to God, now that I've seen the hope for the end of the story, 
I'm okay with whatever you do with me in the present story. You see, to Simeon, death was actually now okay. He had a hope that would override the fear of death. To Simeon, financial struggle could be endured. He had a hope that would override the pain of poverty. Uh, to Simeon, being forgotten, being lost, trapped, wounded, it all could be endured because it was an afterthought compared to the hope that he had that would override all of it. See, your mission is to always have such a, an eye on your future hope that your present hope is never snuffed out. Uh, and that's, that's really what it means to bring the future into the present. Bring the hope that you have in Jesus for a salvation that is, in all honesty, not quite yet, and see that it's also a salvation for what is already in your life. Jesus came to give life, and he, he came to give it to the fullest. Are you experiencing life to the fullest? A, a life that, through all the ups and downs, you find your peace because you always remember and remind yourself where your hope really is? Is there stress adding up in your life that might be a warning for you this morning that you're not experiencing the same kind of hope that God intends you to experience? That same kind of hope that Simeon experienced when he saw Jesus? Do you need to let that future hope that you have in Jesus begin to override your present and yet momentary troubles? Why don't you pray with me? Uh, Lord, I thank you so much that we can have hope. I thank you so much for the story of Simeon, uh, this man who was looking around for the Messiah and believed that God said he was going to get to see that Messiah before he died. And the moment that he saw this Messiah, he realized nothing else mattered. Salvation in Jesus is all the hope that he needed. From that point on, it didn't matter. He could die if he had to, and it was going to be okay. God, I pray that our hope in the eternity that you've pr promised to us through Jesus, the hope that we have that our sins are forgiven, that we have been given the righteousness of Jesus upon our lives. God, I pray that that hope that is for our future, that it also would become our hope for today. That we could begin to see that hope and put, put our, our mindset on that hope first and foremost and bring it backward little by little to the place we're at today. That no matter what we're going through, that we will see life through that prison of that future hope. God, thank you that we can live today in a hope that actually matters, in a hope that gives us joy, gives us peace. God, I pray if, for any of us who are, who are really struggling right now to feel hope, to feel joy, God, remind us every moment of every day of this future hope we have in you, that it is assured. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.